It was a very long night. I think I finally ended at like three or four in the morning. But I just remember, you know, I was walking back and forth across the house all all evening, all night long, timing things and waiting and all of that stuff and just doing a, a lot of praying. honestly think, you know, where would we be now had we not decided to make a change in our life? Um, and I never, never regretted marrying you. But I, there was at least a few times where I thought, man, I did not expect this. You know, is this, is this what it's going to be for the rest of our lives? You know, when you look back, like, how do you still struggle with this, this lack of trust and this worry and 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 taking that burden from God back onto yourself again and again and again when he has time and time again showed you that he has this hey all welcome to episode 7 of the farmers of faith podcast a place where farmers can share what God has done and is doing in their farm, their family, and their life. Today is another Farm Wives of Faith episode. My wife, Kitty, is sharing her side of our story. I shared my side last episode, and now she's about to fill in some of the blanks. A side note here, you don't need to host a podcast to make this happen, but I'd highly recommend for couples out there to sit down and reflect on your years past in depth. The details of how God works can be quite encouraging. And one more thing before we hear the interview. We're so happy to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Sun Valley Tire. With locations in Winkler and Altona, Manitoba, Canada, Sun Valley Tire is able to provide a complete line of new and used passenger, truck, farm, heavy equipment, and recreational tires, as well as a mobile service, wheel polishing, tire repair, and balancing providing service across the prairies. I was talking with a friend of mine who was saying that they really appreciate the folks at Sun Valley Tire and work with them quite a bit to keep their farm rolling. And it means so much to us that they are willing to stand behind Farmers of Faith as we do our best to get your stories out there. Sun Valley Tire is a family-run business rooted in faith, supporting families on the road or in the field. So go to sunvalleytire.ca to learn more or click on the link in the show notes. So then, without further ado... Please enjoy. It's kind of a weird dynamic, a husband interviewing a wife. Well, I did it with you. Yeah, you were an excellent interviewer. Well, you know, there are naturals and then there are... <laughs> and then there are those of us who really got to work at it. <laughs> <laughs> but let's just get right into it. Where are you from, darling? Well, I was born in... Nebraska, and I spent a couple years there, and then spent a few years in South Dakota, and mm, then God's country, <laughs> and then moved up to Canada when I was just about to turn ten. And what brought you there? My dad was asked, or I guess our family was asked to come up to help with vacation Bible school at this church uh, in a little country church, and we would come up every summer for just like a couple weeks every summer to help with that and then it slowly moved into the church 
would be looking for a pastor, and then uh, they asked my dad to step into the role, and and he did. And uh, bing, bang, bong, you guys moved to Canada. Yep. What was what was your first impression of Canada? Like, well, you had come during right. the summers to do right. the VBS, but when you moved, moved to Canada, what did you think? Uh, well, we moved up like right before Christmas, uh, and where where we were living and where I had spent most of the years. It snowed and stuff, and there was the odd storm, but I actually remember when we were packing the van, or, like, packing up the trailers and stuff to move from South Dakota, I was in, like, a light spring jacket, and I remember there was, like, melting, and I actually remember my best friend was helping us, or his dad was helping us move, and I I remember, like, going trying to go to, like, find somewhere where there's still some snow that I could, like, pack up and throw a snowball at him. So, anyway, that's where we came from, and then... When we hit really northern part of North Dakota, like right before the border, it started to really storm. And we actually had to stop for the night at uh, one of the border towns in Santa Hotel because it was like really bad weather. And hmm. uh, anyway, so when we get to where we lived, my dad had pulled, we had a big 15 passenger van at the time, and he had pulled kind of into the backyard. So off of the driveway into the actual yard part of it. And open the door. And actually, now that I think about it, I'm surprised he could even open the door. But anyway. I'm surprised he could even drive in. Yeah. Uh, I guess a big 15-passenger van. I don't know. Big tires. Loaded up with kids in the back, so there's lots of traction. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sorry, I, keep going. No, that's okay. I just remember him opening the door and stepping out. And being a nine-year-old, obviously, it was a lot higher on me than it was my parents. But I remember the snow being, like, thigh-deep or something, like, knee-deep. Mm-hmm. And I just remember just being shocked. Like, no way. In a good way? No. Like, no way. And it, where we lived was, was, again, out in the country, and it was kind of a little bit of an out-in-the-nowhere out sort of feel to it, at least. Hmm. And that was just the biggest, I feel like, culture shock. I was just, oh, man. What did I move to? So we lived in town before that. I had, you know, friends everywhere, and it was just, yeah. And all of a sudden, you were out in the bush? Yeah. And just all... All alone, just you and your sisters. Yeah, and just a different lifestyle. Hmm. Yeah, and we had one sister stayed back in the States, and my brother and then two sisters and I moved up with my parents. Hmm. So I remember that being sad, too, because all of a sudden we were moving away, and she had just, I think she was 18 or 19 at the time. And yeah, it was weird, leaving hmm. a sister a whole different country away. Yeah. How long did it take for you guys to start making friends up here in Canada? <laughs> Actually funny that you asked because it took a couple years i think oh. like it was just us and like there was a couple kids that attended the church that we were friendly with but we were also homeschooled so we were the american pastors kids that were homeschooled and it was like you just didn't <laughs> in middle of winter you didn't really have opportunity to meet other kids for, right and it yeah. just it took a while to actually like you become friendly with kids but until it I feel like I was probably 12 before I really got, like, a good friend. When you met me? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> oh, I'm not the friend you're talking no. about? No. <laughs> Although, I mean, I did meet you then. I don't, I don't think we were friends. No, I don't think so. It took it took a couple of years before you and I actually, be, like, we were familiar with each other, but... Yeah, I was the weird kid that sang the Be Patient song to you. If you want to hear that story, go listen to... Yeah. Episode six. Um, sorry, keep going though. A little plug there. Yeah. <laughs> Got to keep them hooked somehow. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I it was culture shock, but I got used to it and now I'm still here. So. Yeah. You must like it a little bit. Yeah. Still brave in those Manitoba winters. Oh, yeah. So you guys 
move to Canada, take a little bit to make friends, start going to good old Dauphin Bible Camp. Yeah. We, we meet there. You fall in love with me instantly. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> this little while you go to Bible school. You wanted to be a missionary, but I crushed your dreams of that. I went to Bible school for youth work. I see. It was it was always kind of on my radar to be a missionary. More so just ministry work in general, I think. Hmm. Maybe not necessarily jetting off somewhere, but some sort of ministry work. Hmm. But then by then we were already dating and we got engaged a couple weeks into Bible school. So Much to your dad's dismay. No. Dad gave you permission right from the get-go. I don't know. It was a weird permission, though. No, it wasn't. But at any rate, we did get married. Yeah. I was 20 and you had just turned 22 or I had just yeah I had just turned 20 and you had turned 22 yeah we that, were we were like lost sheep we didn't know what to do yeah it really wasn't on my radar at all that we'd be farming right what did you think I would do I, I kind me? of thought at that time maybe because you had talked a lot about getting your carpentry ticket Mm, and yeah. so I thought maybe that's what you would do. You had also kind of showed interest in, because you had worked at a funeral home earlier, you had shown quite a bit of interest in that. So I thought maybe you'd go that way. But farming was just not on my radar at all. Hmm. And even though I grew up on an acreage with farming all around, I didn't really have any, like it just was a very foreign thing to me. So what did you think when Miles wondered if we wanted to come out to Alberta for a bit? What did you think of all that? If I remember right, I was for it. Like, I thought it'd be fun. And I I had a sister who lived out there, so... And and that's where I had went to school, and you would live there. So it was was familiar to me. I didn't necessarily think that that was going to be what we were going to do, though. Like, I knew it was just a short span of time where we were going to go and then probably Hmm. come back. When we moved there... And we moved into that old farmhouse. You fell in love with the farmhouse. I did. I loved that little farmhouse. Yeah. It's tough to say goodbye to that. Yeah. I call it little, but I think it's bigger than the house we live in now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is. And then we had good times out in Alberta. Yeah. It was the only, like we lived in Manitoba a little bit before having kids, but it was kind mm. of our our honeymoon phase before kids and quite a bit more free. And there's something special about being like, dirt poor and <laughs> we didn't have internet we didn't like we could we could rent dvds but we didn't have netflix or cable or any of that stuff <laughs> With, i had books yeah we started going to the old first baptist together yeah it was a good church and uh i touched on this a little bit in my interview but i figured you would probably want to speak to this quite a bit more uh but we had our our little surprise there a few months. Yeah. Uh, I think it's always an interesting, uh, maybe interesting isn't the right word, but I find it interesting that it's a topic that miscarriage isn't often talked about. Hmm. You, you mentioned it in it in passing and people say, Oh, I'm sorry that happened to you. And it's just kind of this thing that if we were to lose one of our kids now, it would be such a huge deal. Right. And Mm -hmm. so many people would, make efforts to comfort us and and pray for us and and not that I didn't have that as well but I just have always found it interesting that even in the Christian world miscarriage is thought of as I don't know like not not as big of a deal as it as it is I think for a mom mm-hmm. and I yeah it was I think 
just about 14 weeks when um, when we had an ultrasound and realized that we'd lost the baby. And um, I I had a, a, a decent size, you know, little belly there, like a little start of a belly anyways. Mm-hmm. And we had to actually wait to actually, I guess in the sense, miscarry. So there was like a good week or two where I was still pregnant looking. Hmm. And I remember that being, even though I knew that there there would be no no baby that we could keep, I remember just trying so to hold on to that as long as possible hmm. um, until it actually actually happened at home. And because we were that far along, it was also surprisingly painful. And hmm. there were contractions that I could actually time and I could expect them okay. We're at the four minute mark. It's another one's going to come sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But that night that that happened, um, it was a very long night. I think I finally ended at like three or four in the morning. Yeah. But I just remember, you know, I was walking back and forth across the house all all evening, all night long, timing things and waiting and all that stuff and just doing a a lot of praying. Mm. Um, And yeah, it was... It was very heartbreaking, and I had a sister who, the sister that lived in Alberta, had just had a baby, I don't even think a week before we realized things weren't, Mm -hmm. something wasn't right. Yeah. And so that was tough, because I I think I actually ended up, in a sense, avoiding her, uh, just because I, it was sad, because it was her first baby, and her and I were quite close growing up, and we're still very close. Actually, it's sunny, I don't know, (laughs) like we talked, she was in episode four? So five, five, five. I think, yeah. and she had her baby, and and that's usually a time with sisters that you're able to celebrate and kind of gush over your new niece and spoil her and stuff. But I definitely found myself avoiding her and and in her mom joy and and all those things because I mm. felt like it was it was just too much. Uh, and then I also had a sister in law who the Miles's wife who had invited us over. She also was expecting and we were expecting like i think within a week of each other sort of thing mm-hmm. so i also found that really tricky because we lived just down the road from them and they were kind of the only them and and our your other brother and sister-in-law uh were kind of the only people we were really close to or really knew all that well in alberta in that area but again i definitely found myself avoiding her too and it mm-hmm. became a really i think lonely time and I, I think it's, it's something that's a little bit brushed under the rug. But as a parent, you, you're just your heart broken for so long, and it was something I just didn't know how to deal with. Really, I didn't know how to face it and move on and be okay with it. And it, it, it's hard because, like, I remember the doctor that told me that I, uh, that we had lost the baby, was you know just. It, no big deal. You know, it doesn't mean you can't get pregnant again. It's just, you know, mm. you'll try again next time. And it was, it's such a, like, ah, you're fine. It's not a big deal. You'll, you know, you'll come back from this and try again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, that doesn't account for a mother's heart and how yeah. hard it actually is. And even to this day, I, I remember the dates and I often, if I get to thinking about it, I'll, you know, I'll get quite sad. And that was mm, nine years ago. Yeah. It was in October, so it was just just nine years ago. 
And yeah, eventually, of course, I was able to face it and I think go through the stages of grief and and mourn the loss and, and be able to come back to a place of peace again. But there there was a good while where I think I don't I don't know that I was necessarily angry, but I just didn't understand why, because we hadn't been trying to have a baby like it was definitely a surprise to us. <laughs> uh, so I just felt like. It was kind of a, a malicious thing hmm. to let us get pregnant when we weren't trying and then to just take it away. Hmm. And so I really had to come to terms with God having a reason beyond my understanding and that there was a reason he did it for good and that everything he does is for good. And I mean, to this day, I don't really understand it, but I and one day will. And... Hmm. What I do understand is that he works all things together for good. So, hmm. um, but yeah, that was a tough time in a in a time of life where I feel like maybe should have been a little bit more joyful in our first year of marriage. <laughs> but it, I mean, it was what it was. And do you think it contributed to us moving away from Alberta when we did? Yeah, I would say because we moved a couple months before. Our sister-in-law was due with her baby, and I knew that would be tough. And I, I think, honestly, I think I kind of became a little bit bitter with the whole area um, hmm. by nothing they did and by nothing, but just that that was where my first real heartbreak was. Hmm. And hmm. I think it was just something that I personally needed a change of scenery. I needed to get away to be able to really move on i guess a little bit hmm. yeah I, I i was definitely ready when the time came that it was time to go hmm. and and when we left we actually had not long before that found out we were pregnant with our oldest avery yeah <laughs> and so it wasn't once we had felt that i mean got over the initial shock and then had the excitement of being parents and then losing it i think we were both you know what we were ready to go we may so, as well start now yeah yeah and so when we moved home, we were pregnant with Avery. Yeah, it's kind of like a new chapter. Yeah. Came came back to Manitoba with an upcoming baby in a world of possibilities. Yeah. <laughs> it, I remember, and I guess if he ever listens to this, he'll be able to say that that was me. But I remember I, I've always been the type of woman, for whatever reason, that I just get a big belly straight from the get-go. And mm -hmm. I remember... <laughs> Moving back to Manitoba, a friend of ours, he he wasn't our friend yet, but we knew who he was at least, had asked me how far along I was. And I had said 10 weeks or something like that. Uh -huh. And he was like, oh, you only have 10 weeks left. And I, I paused and I'm like, no, I'm only 10 weeks along. And he said, oh, well, you must bloat. <laughs> and I remember just like, and I, you know, I don't think he really thought about what he was saying, but yeah, apparently I must bloat. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose in his defense, he's a vet, so maybe he's used to talking yeah, yeah. in just straight up medical yep. terms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we came back to Manitoba, got involved in the church, and yep. you, you were on the lookout for a rental house for us. Yeah, because we were living in your mom's basement. Mm -hmm. The exact spot that every wife wants to be in their mother-in-law's <laughs> basement. It wasn't too bad. Like, I love your mom. She's amazing. And if there was ever a mother-in-law that would be easy to live with, it's yours. Hmm. You eventually found us a rental house to live in, and we 
Yep. Moved in that. It's crazy. We could pack everything we owned into our little Firefly. Couldn't do that today. No, goodness, no. And then so I, I was working carpentry and you were yeah. at home alone. You're working carpentry, but you also had started doing bobcat work that year. Okay, yeah. But yeah, so you were doing bobcat work and carpentry, and then that eventually led into the farming seasonally uh, from April to November or however that would work. Yeah, something that you were kind of not all that excited about me doing. Yeah, I think it was just one of those things that I really had no reason to be I don't want to say against it because I did say, you know, it's your choice. And But it, in my heart, I didn't feel like it was, I don't know, some, something didn't sit right with me. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, we, we went ahead with it anyway and worked there for five years. So it had its its time and its purpose, even though I, I do look at those years and I think they were pretty difficult. Um, mm. I think just with, we, you were you were driving a good 40-ish minutes. Yeah, 45 To work minutes, every yeah. day and then back. And so any farmers listening will know that during harvest, that's that's a lot of time. <laughs> there were some nights where I'm like, why am I even driving back? I don't know how many times we talked about you should just take a tent. <laughs> yeah. Because there's no point. The only saving grace was that Saskatchewan's time was different. So you, in the fall, you were able to not leave crazy early because you you could, you know, make the time difference right but it it was it was a couple years into that that i started to notice it affecting you quite a bit um mm. the job and all that went with that and the in turn it started to affect us i think and and the family um and in there we had avery which we mentioned but then we got pregnant with our second son finn mm-hmm. uh when avery was only five months old so a year and three months difference, which is not a lot, <laughs> not a lot when you spend nine of them pregnant. Yeah. And so I think that combined with the aspects of the job that were affecting you made those years pretty difficult because I was, I was at home young, very young, and I was raising two, two babies, pretty much two, two little boys. Mm-hmm. And they were, they were, you know, they're good kids, but any two at that age together is just, it was a lot and yeah. you were so busy and then there were the stresses of the job. And I, I remember I just, I think I, I mentioned this in the, when I was talking to Sunny in her interview, but I think men carry the burden of taking care of the family and making sure we're provided for. And that's a huge burden. And women, I think, carry the burden of the family's emotional state and their, mm-hmm. their hearts and, you know, that kind of thing. And so I really started to, feel the burden of your mental state is the right word i don't know <laughs> i was turning into a basket case or what well you just i i knew you were stressed i knew that there were a lot of things that were affecting you i, I think essentially it was affecting who you were and who you were becoming mm, yeah. um, and you would like you mentioned you it eventually got to a point where you would come home it's like you were physically home but you were mentally checked out yeah. And, and I, I worried about you so much during that time. And it was always a time of, you know, don't bother dad, don't upset dad. Trying so hard to do my best to make it easy on you so that, I mean, it's, I want to make it clear. It wasn't like we were scared of you. <laughs> you know, it wasn't that. It wasn't, you know, you were an angry, you know, but it was just, I was scared for you. Like I, 
Hmm. I knew you weren't suicidal or anything like that. But I also saw very clearly that depression was setting in and I just felt the burden like I needed to pull somehow pull you out of this pit of despair. I don't know if despair is the right word, but I, I saw you sinking further and further. And here I was with two boys and then eventually a daughter who all, you know, love their dad and and were still, you know, very oblivious to to what I knew. And just the the stresses of that, I think, were pretty difficult. And I think it's something that is an unspoken thing amongst a lot of men, I think. Because mm. I know I know at least a few of my few wives that I know that have mentioned here and there about their husbands and their jobs and the stresses they carry and just kind of how they come home. And, and I always think, man, that hits home so much for me because I knew where you were. I knew how you felt, but I knew you somewhat felt trapped. Hmm. You know, you needed to provide for your family and you're a loyal employee, which is good for you. And you, you felt like, you know, I, I made this decision of where I was going to work. I need to stick it out no matter what sort of thing. And, mm-hmm. and I, I see that in other men where they, they are at their workplace, but they're miserable. And I feel for them and I feel for their wives because I've been there and you've been there and, and thank goodness God made it clear to us that it was time. And I thank God every day for that because I, I honestly think, you know, where would we be now had we not decided to make a change in our life? Um, hmm. And I never, never regretted marrying you. But I, <laughs> but hear me out, hear me yeah. out, hear me out. But I, there was at least a few times where I thought, man, I did not expect this. You know, is this, hmm. is this what it's going to be for the rest of our lives? It just, it weighed me down so much. And then in turn, I think I was rubbing off on the kids and in the fact that I wasn't the best mother I could have been because of the worry and the stress that I was carrying. And then the same for you, that I think you weren't able to be the best dad you could be because you were carrying a load as well. And it was a, a very learning and sharpening time of life, I guess, hmm. a refining time. Do you ever wonder, say God had called us to that situation of life for a long time, you know, say if, mm-hmm. say if there was no other opportunities, like mm-hmm. should, should we have been, how do I word this? Should we have technically been able to persevere through that time with joy and peace? I guess, okay, you, you know that saying, well, it's, it's, it's a, it's in the Bible, but it's used very wrong where it's like, God won't give you more than you can handle. That That's about temptation. It is not about hardship. And it's used wrong to be like, oh, you know, you'll never be put in a situation where you're going to give it. Like God puts us in situations that are bigger than we can handle all the time so that we have to turn to him in them. Mm-hmm. And I think that had God kept us in that situation for a reason, then he would have given us the strength and the peace to carry on. Hmm. And, and and we would have had to have turned to him. But I've told you this, but I've never told uh, Wade and Kristen, who you now work for this. Mm-hmm. But early on in those years, I had overheard Kristen talking to somebody and she said something about their farmhand. And I, it was just a brief little tiny part of the conversation I overheard, but immediately in my heart, I heard God tell me to, to pray for that, pray for that job. And I immediately knew, Ooh, I want, I want Kurt to work there. Hmm. 
And so, again, that was very, very early on in the previous job. So that had been years ago. And I quietly to myself started praying. You know, and it, when God speaks, I think at first you're like, oh, yeah, that, that was definitely God. But then as time goes past, you're like, eh. Hmm. I think that was, you know. But I continued to pray, and I don't think I ever said anything to you about it. No, yeah. But I just prayed, and I said, you know, in my head to myself, if if it was from God, I'll continue to pray and just see sort of thing. So that was years ago. And then right right at the end of the other job that you were working, you had already given your notice. And you you had said this in your interview, but you, you had given a year's notice that you were going to finish off the season. And mm-hmm. So there was a good amount of time there where I think word spread that you were going to be leaving that job in the, that farm and you would be looking for you know, either returning to carpentry or looking for a new job, however it went. So it was in that year, I dropped Avery off at Vacation Bible School at the church. And a a bunch of moms were like, oh, let's take, we all had kids that were still too young to go to Vacation Bible School. So we were going to take them to the park together while we waited. And so Kristen was one of those moms and we went to the park and and the kids were just playing. We were standing there talking and she said, hey, I I think Wade is going to talk to Kurt about this, but do you think you guys would consider potentially coming to work for us on the farm? <laughs> and I, I was just blown away. I could have just burst into tears right there because it was just blew my mind. Like, no way. And I, I think a part of me wanted to be like, I've been praying for this for years. Yeah. But I, I was pretty sure that would be weird. So I just like didn't say anything. Uh-huh. And I, I played it cool. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, maybe that'd be great. I'll, I'll, I'll mention it to Kurt. Hmm. But in in my head, I was just, those times where God just, I don't know if rocks your world is the right way to say it, but just <laughs> shocks you yeah. that he put it in my heart years before to the point where even though I was still praying for it, I had moved on a bit into praying for just the next step. Mm-hmm. You know, where do you want us, what do you want us to do sort of thing? Mm-hmm. And almost slightly forgetting about it. And then it's just like, boom and you're just like wow god's been working and setting this in motion for years mm-hmm. and so i i did go home and tell you and um so did it did it freak you out how long i took to come to the decision <laughs> of i think yeah but i i really really wanted it to be your decision i didn't want to pressure you hmm. you know because i i think that doubt seeps in and i you know if i pressured you into the job and it turned out to be terrible you know it would be on me <laughs> and if it wasn't god's plan it was on me sort of thing so i was mm. like just if god wanted you to do this he would speak to you right yeah. um and then eventually i did i think i did speak up because as you were deciding on this job i yeah i was just waiting and you know praying and and there was still the thought of like well what other opportunities are there if if this isn't actually it but then the hurdle of we lived in Russell on a half an hour away and we knew we didn't want a job where you had to make that drive again because with farming as we all know it just doesn't make sense to live far away like that those minutes are precious mm-hmm. in certain times and so there was that hurdle and I said you know what God it was kind of my uh laying out the sheepskin on the lawn sort of thing if you you know get this wet sort of thing then I'm gonna believe you so I said, God, if you want us to pursue this, then you're going to need to provide some housing because <laughs> mm-hmm. this is just not going to work. 
And it was kind of, it's actually kind of funny because I remember feeling slightly guilty that I wasn't like, <laughs> you know, God, whatever you want us to do, we will do. You know, if it's commuting, we'll do it. I was kind of like, nope, not going to do it unless you. So anyway, I had prayed this prayer and was feeling slightly guilty about it. But I think it was within the hour of praying that prayer that my phone starts ringing and I see that it's Kristen and Wade's home phone. And I, you know, answered and, and Kristen said, you know, uh, a house potentially just came up on some land that they were renting and they th- are thinking they may buy it. And if they were to buy the land, then we could uh, rent the house from them. And I was just, again, so shocked that God had answered so quickly that that he mm. was providing for us and taking care of us. And that, you know, even that I was being heard, because I think sometimes, even though you know God's listening, sometimes you pray and you feel like it's just kind of like disappeared into the air sort mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. And um, I didn't say anything to Kristen, but I, you know, got off the phone. And I think then is when I called you and I was like, listen up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I just said, like, I told you what I had prayed. Yeah. And mm-hmm. what had happened. And I was just, just wanted mm-hmm. you to like, just feel my amazement, I guess. Yeah. And it's interesting on my part, because I remember that phone call. And even after that phone call, I still remember being very unsure. So I had I'd been worn out and just dog tired of the situation right. that we had just come from. Mm-hmm. And at that very moment, there was this glimmer of a possibility that I'd be able to go do uh, a ministry role geared toward music with a friend of mine. And so that was kind of, in my mind, that was like, oh man, yeah, yeah, God is making the way for that to work out. This Like, this is why we've mm-hmm. come to this point. So I remember that phone call and being like, oh, what? Is God working out something that I'm not aware of? Right. And and it just added to the confusion of it all for, for me. Yeah. And I remember, t- and I, again, I think on the phone, I said, it was going to be 100% your choice. I had decided that I wasn't going to, yeah. whatever we did, I was going to go along with. Yeah. Um, but God actually quickly closed the door to that ministry role with quite finality that it was yeah, that like, it was okay. not going to happen <laughs> like that, that that wasn't even a possibility so yeah um i forgot to mention this when we were talking about the years previous to moving but in those years in between our son finn and our daughter say that we also got pregnant again and lost lost that baby yeah uh and i i guess i just want to mention it because it, it it's hard as a, a mother to not mention your babies, you know, like mm-hmm. as if it didn't exist, which it did. And it, it that might have added to the difficulty of those last few years, because I, I think at that point I got pretty angry and just feeling like kind of a, a kick when you're down sort of thing. How much more could I possibly take right now? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, sorry, it was a bit of a rabbit trail, but I just wanted to add it in because I wanted to make sure we mentioned Baby mm-hmm. number four, and then five and six came along. But yeah, we eventually you and Wade sat down and talked, and yeah, you made the decision, and mm-hmm. and they did end up buying the land with the house on it. And then we moved in January, right after Christmas, just in time for Avery to join the public school here in Rossburn for after Christmas break. Mm-hmm. Been here ever since. Yeah, and there's been some blessings that have come along, like maybe you could speak to a little bit just how in Russell we were kind of nervous of yeah the school there and yeah we 
When we still lived in Russell, Avery came to an age where he would be kindergarten. And we just, yeah, we just didn't feel comfortable with the school there. Just the things I was hearing, the things I was seeing, there's a lot more negative influence than I think we were comfortable with. So we, had, you mm-hmm. know, decided to homeschool. And I think there are certain types of mothers that are homeschooling mothers. And uh-huh. <laughs> I know a lot of them and they are, they enjoy homeschooling and they are good at it. And I am not one of them. <laughs> I will homeschool out of necessity. Like right now our kids are home and it's been fine. It's, but it's not, it's not my joy and it's, right. yeah. I'm doing it because it's what's best for our kids. But then we moved to Rossburn and the school system here is, I would say, a much more conservative school, a small school. They still actually do a like nativity scene for their Christmas program, which is, I think, pretty yeah. rare these days. <laughs> yeah, we just... We, the, the teachers are just so, yeah, so good. They're too. very good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was a huge blessing to be able to send him to school. Um, and mm-hmm. it's, I feel selfish, but it was also a blessing to not have to homeschool. Yeah, yeah. And, and I feel like it was 100% the very right choice for them. Mm-hmm. Avery is an avid reader now. And, and when I was in charge, he was not, <laughs> you know, things like that. Yeah. And the blessing of being able to live out of town, I think has been huge. The blessings that to see my kids be free, just to free mm. to run. And to, there are many times I have many stories <laughs> in the last few years of losing my mind, trying to find our kids in the bush. Like, where are you? And just freaking out and crying and, you know, and I mean, they get in trouble for that, but they are free to roam and to explore. They love the country life. And Hmm. I think they've somewhat forgotten what town was like and how you have to, you know, you can't, you can't just go outside when you're young. You got to be watched and Mm -hmm. you can't run free and you got to watch for vehicles and all those things. Hmm. So what about, uh, are there still challenges? Like... To where we're at now, yeah, yeah. I think um, it, it's it's a bigger farm than what you had worked on previously. So, and as as well as they have cows along with grain. So here, you know, it's it's seeding leads into spraying, leads into haying, leads into, um, and you know, just on and on it goes. Um, so there are, you know, snippets here and there where there's a, a week where it's slower and you know, we fit in camping where we can, but it's definitely, it takes its toll. I think especially because we don't live on the yard. We don't live on the farm. So it's not like you're in and out all the time. Hmm. Once you're gone in the morning, you're gone. And if you're gone by 7 a.m. and not home till 1 a.m., that's, you know, the kids don't see you. I think it's it's hard for me because I have to deal with kids on my own. But hmm. I think it's easier for me than it is for them in the sense that you and I can talk on the phone or we can text Mm -hmm. throughout the day, whereas they don't really have interaction with you unless I put them on the phone or I drive them out to where you are. Mm -hmm. So that I think has been a challenge for them and for me of, I think you get into this schedule of being the one in charge and the, the one to make decisions and all this stuff. And then, and then you come back and I have to share that. And it, it's not it's not that I don't want you there, but, you know, the Bible talks about, like, 
the woman will want the man's position. And it, it becomes very evident to me because when you come home, I get a little irritated that my schedule gets off. And <laughs> as much as I miss you and I realize mm-hmm. like I would much rather have you here than there, but just that little bit of sinful nature mm-hmm. shows its head. And yeah, I think that maybe is the biggest hurdle other than the winter driving <laughs> and the flat tires. Oh my goodness, country uh, driving. Bizarre amount of flat tires. Yeah, Man. but I have gotten surprisingly good at changing a tire. You have. You've changed more flat tires in the past few years than I probably ever have. <laughs> yeah, Man. I think it's because I'm apparently really impatient. Like I know a lot of farm wives that just wait for their husband to come home, but I'm just like, oh, I want to go somewhere. <laughs> so then I just change it myself. <laughs> Uh, but with with all of that, you know, there's a lot of blessings that came with the job. There, You know, I talked about the blessings of where we've moved in the country living and stuff like that. But the, the blessing of having a camaraderie with who you're working with, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. And just the ability, I, it, it's a big thing for me to be able to text your boss and just talk to him and him be okay with that. Hmm. Like if I were to ever ask Wade, you know, we need this day off or, you know, whatever it may be, I feel 100% comfortable talking to him about that. And I think that's a huge thing for me. Yeah. Because I don't want to be cut off from you. And I think that openness that that we're a team Mm -hmm. and that he may have hired you, but he kind of took on our whole family in that. (laughs) Um, Poor Wade. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, As well as just... Being able to be friends with the whole family and you just mm-hmm. feel comfortable with each other and it's not awkward, it's not stressful, like mm-hmm. it's just, it's easy, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that's a huge blessing. It's really nice to be able to feel, you know, majority of the time at peace with where we're at and where God's taking us and, and wherever this may lead. Hmm. So... You had asked me in my interview if there was a, a passage of scripture that is on your mind lots. And so I figured I would turn the tables on you and ask you the same question. Yeah, it's uh, a verse that's always stuck out in my mind is from Psalms 1. It's actually, I guess, a chapter, not a verse. But it's just something that I think I learned this this chapter in when I went to youth group when I was a teenager. And it's just who I want to be. Who, what I want my life to, to look like. Um, and it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season, and its leaves do not wither, and all he does he prospers. The wicked are not so but are like chaff that the wind drives away. I think that's always stuck out in my mind as the perfect portrayal of of what I want my life to look like. Mm. A, a tree planted by water that's healthy and bearing its fruit um, and that you can evidently see God's hand in and and that my life will be something that brings him glory and not something that just kind of withers and blows away in the wind. Hmm. That's my hope for us and for our kids that God is so evident in our life that it's undeniable mm-hmm. and that those that may not know us can at least see that there's something different and that there's 
I guess, hope in our life that there's um, something, something more than just this that we are striving for. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe if our kids ever listen to this someday, go back and to the old files of Farmers of Faith <laughs> and find these interviews. I, I hope that that's their desire too. And mm. mm-hmm. that they can look back and say that, yeah, that's how mom and dad lived. Mm. And that's what they see in us. And and I guess that's also my hope for Farmers of Faith, that it's... um. Mm that it's something that bears fruit and that it's a blessing and to those who listen and those who need it. Um, and I, I hope that there's farm wives out there that can listen to my story or any other farm life story and, and relate to it, but also see God in it and, and use it to maybe see God in their life as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's so much power in just the straight up telling of your story, no matter the level of craziness to the story or anything, the simple truth of it is at the end of the day, we're so dependent on God for, Mm -hmm. man, for everything. (laughs) Yeah. I like to look back and and even sharing kind of my side of our story to this point, I think it's good for me to look back and see God's hand moving in his direction throughout the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And just seeing how he was working way before I even knew it in certain areas. And it's a good reminder for the future because sometimes I can get lost in the what's next or what should we do or, you know, just the, all of that. That's, Mm -hmm. I think everybody thinks about. Yeah. How do we handle this? Yeah. Yeah. And, you almost feel a little bit like, come on, kitty. Look, <laughs> you know, when you look back, like, how do you still struggle with this, this mm-hmm. lack of trust and this worry and, 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 and taking that burden from God back onto yourself again and again and again, mm-hmm. when he has time and time again showed you that he has this, but yet mm-hmm. you're still, still struggling. Mm-hmm. So it's, I guess, a blessing to me if it doesn't end up being a blessing to anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of a more suitable ending for this interview. So, well, thanks, thanks for sharing all that with us. And yeah, you bet. We'll see if we can get this uploaded sometime. Yeah, it'd be be one of those things where I, I probably don't want to listen. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, you hear your voice, and you're just like, ugh. Yeah, there's nothing worse than listening to your own voice. (laughs) I can attest to that. Oh, dear. All right, thanks, hon. Yeah. So there it is. Thank you so much, Kitty, for sharing your story with us. And we trust that uh, people will be encouraged by it. And as I had mentioned at the end of last episode, yeah, Kitty and I figured we'd share our stories here and now because we're just trying to play a little bit of catch-up after the busy harvest times. And so... um. We've actually been hearing from a few of you folks. It's been encouraging. You've been letting us know of different people that we could reach out to and ask if if they'd want to sit down for an interview. So thank you for doing that. It's really exciting to see the community growing. And uh, so with that said, we we just want to say thank you again to Sun Valley Tire. Thank you so much for for getting behind us and, and helping us to make these episodes and yeah for anyone who lives in the Pembina Valley area of Manitoba or even uh, according I was reading on their website even into um, 
into Saskatchewan or Ontario or some of the northern states, uh, be sure be sure to look them up, uh, sunvalleytire.ca, or click on the link in the show notes. Um, see if they can help you with, with anything you need for, regarding your tires. And, um, yeah, if you would like to get in contact with us, uh, feel free to visit the website, farmersoffaith.org. Or look us up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Uh, We try to keep up with those. Uh, Until next time, thanks. Thanks.